Sadra, CEO and co-founder at Incremental. Welcome to Podrick the Podcast, the Incremental podcast that adds even more value. Our latest series is titled We're All Mad Here, because if you've been in the industry for a little bit, you know that we are indeed all mad here. In this series, we interview interesting people from all sides of the marketing industry, growth managers, brand marketers, and influential people who have unique experiences. We don't rehearse and don't practice these, which often leads to pretty nice accidental teasers and scoops. In this interview, I'm grateful to talk with Matej Lancerich, who is an expert user acquisition and marketing consultant specializing in mobile games. Matej has a wide experience working with a ton of well-known companies such as Pixel Federation, Rovio, Traplight, and many more. Joining us after several weeks of no sleep thanks to his newborn baby, it was awesome to catch up with Matej and exchange opinions and ideas about mobile game marketing. Hope you'll enjoy listening to this podcast. Hey, Matej, how are you? Hey, good. Well, I uh, haven't slept for three months, but what can we do? I have a small daughter now, a very young one, three and a half months old. And uh, well, it's uh, definitely harder than I would expect. But... but you look good. You look good. Oh, you look thank good. you very much. Well, I try. Yeah. I try. Yeah. Other than shaving, I guess, but that's... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you, you need to just uh, choose recording a podcast <laughs> or shave. So it's like there's no both. <laughs> can do both. Cool, and welcome to our podcast. Um, maybe, maybe you can start just by not just introducing yourself, but also give a little bit of the background to how you even got to where you got to. Ooh, well, where to start? I mean, uh, a long story short, I've been in the industry for nine years already, give, give or take. And uh, I started my career here in, uh, in Pixel Federation in Slovakia, where I'm originally based and I'm sitting here as well. Uh, well my office is now uh, in my daughter's room. So uh, most probably in six months, I will be out looking for a new office. Uh, but well, back to the, to the story. So um, I actually started like playing games when I was a, a little child and then uh, well, I still play games. And um, after my Counter-Strike career, ended uh then i uh, got into a discussion with my like former teammate and uh, i found out he's a cmo at pixel federation and then voila <laughs> i was hired <laughs> that was really nice uh nice nice uh, like introduction into the games and since then i'm super happy to be in the gaming industry i love it really and uh Even after nine years uh, in the industry, I still love to get my hands dirty on, and manage campaigns and uh, you know, create all the strategies around the UA and, and everything. So uh, after, after I left uh, Pixel Federation, it's like five years I was there. I was managing all the campaigns there. Uh, like I was a soft lounge owner and global lounge owner of the games because their game started on Facebook Canvas. If you remember, that was a long time ago, <laughs> ages ago. And, uh, and then I was uh, here at uh, the one marketing agency, uh, then I uh, created a team um, from scratch, basically marketing team from zero to 25 people, UA plus creatives. Then, uh, well, said to myself, life's short, let's, uh, let's try something else. Uh, now I'm uh, doing the full-time, full-time <laughs> uh, independent consultancy. Uh, I was doing it on uh, on the site uh, when I was at Pixel Federation, just you know to, to get more experiences and learn and uh, work with different companies because different companies, different games, different genres, different challenges as well, different budgets. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, that's uh, how I got here, basically, from side gigs, uh, independency, consultancy, now uh, working with several developers around the world and uh, have my own creative team as well. I trust them with my UA life. They're amazing. <laughs> and uh, I'm super happy because uh, I love what I do. And do you need to love a game in order to work for a company that creates it? No, but I definitely play those games and I enjoy them. I mean, so uh, I don't need to love it, but I still want to no, know but, still want to know how it works. But I guess maybe it's it's not about loving it. Maybe it's about like because you're a gamer in heart, you like yeah. immediately see what's missing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not a game designer, but I still uh, love to try to uh, like well, not deconstruct, but at least uh, try to understand what uh, what makes the work uh, the game work. And uh, and then you know that helps me definitely in the the product meetings and the discussions with the game team and product team. Yeah, actually, like kind of like an unrelated question. Do you think that like uh, like can you market a not good game? You can to a certain degree. It's uh, you know depends if you wanna see the money back uh, at some point in the future. <laughs> you know the thing is, for example. Uh, with creatives let's uh let's say it that way so you have a very good looking cgi 3d video that well it's supposed to perform well and then that's on the one hand on the other hand you have very ugly looking terrible <laughs> production video which is i don't know you made it in three minutes well what would you think of course the horrible looking video is performing way better than <laughs> the cgi uh, CGI video that uh, you know was uh, really expensive. So um, I mean, can be very similar to the to the game. I mean, uh, don't not necessarily need to be a good game. As soon as the the KPIs are good, the LTV is there, you can make some money out of it. Yeah. And then, Mateo, what what, give, what piece of advice would you give anyone that's like young and trying to enter this industry? Well, uh, really. Sorry, we don't have or didn't have this discussion like two years ago when there was no COVID because I would say immediately, hey, go out there, meet people during the conferences. That's uh, always the, the best to be in contact with the, with the peers. So, you know, uh, everything that, uh, that happens like after the conference is the, the most inter interesting part. All the drinks, all the, conf <laughs> all the 4 a.m. discussions. <laughs> that's, uh, that's where you, le you learn the most. Uh, but now, well, I mean, the world is getting definitely back on track. So uh, yeah, definitely go out there, read a lot of the uh, the articles that are out there. Uh, and definitely visit mobiledevmembo.com. Uh, the Eric is, is uh, doing a very good job. The like um, Quantmar as well, uh, where you have all the information you need to start at least a career or like at least some campaigns in the, in the UA market. And uh, yeah, well, listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how many information is out there right now, like available out for grabs. And uh, like, I think one thing I do like specifically about the gaming side of the industry, it's competitors will share information. I don't think I've seen it to, in many other industries. Yeah, but depends on the, like, uh, what kind of competitors. Not everybody is, uh, you know, willing to share. Uh, but yes, it's true that in games, uh, I mean, especially, for example, in Finland, like everybody's so open about everything like hey look so this is the game this is how it, how it works these are our numbers 
you can do whatever you uh, you want with the with those numbers because obviously <laughs> your game is different. <laughs> nobody nobody says that uh, the game is your game is going to perform exactly as mine. And uh, and just going back to what you said, like there is so many there are so many information out there. Yes, that's true, but there are also so many weird and false information that creates chaos as well so you know um, even uh, if you read and, uh, and listen to podcasts then definitely uh, do your own homework as well and uh, don't listen to everybody <laughs> and everything that that we share as well you know and so do you think my kind of like the next question is quite generic but mm -hmm. i did i did receive quite interesting answers to it do you think marketing <laughs> is an art or a science uh well honestly it's just um well i would say a science but also uh also an art so there you have the generic uh, answer as well science because uh of the data and you know all the all the decision you are uh, you make is is based on data or at least sh should be i mean you do need to have a gut feeling to a certain degree because you know for me, for example, for me, nine years of experience. If I look at some campaigns and I see um, numbers, and uh, and obviously numbers say, okay, so pause the campaign because this is going to look like shit in very near future. But my gut says, like, okay, so I see the the past data. I've seen this before multiple times on different games. So let's run it a little bit longer. So if we have any, if we had any automation in place, that campaign will be definitely paused immediately. But then suddenly, that campaign starts to grow and uh, starts to perform. So uh, that's also like part of the the art. You know, you need to you need to know how to connect all the dots, uh, and uh, and the part of the art is also the the creative part. So, you know, making the decisions based on the data, but also looking at the creative things and, and try to make uh, or create the new ideas on the creative side, which is also like part of the part of the art. You know, it's interesting because one of the main reasons why, like in incremental, we didn't want to go into marketing automation. Mm -hmm. like we didn't want the platform to do anything for the customer, even yeah. if even if a certain campaign shows it's crap. Um, because we think that strategy is something on the marketer's side to make a decision. Yeah. And often it's like, I don't know, take things like um, brand keywords, okay? Sometimes it's not generating incremental results conversion-wise, mm. but it is contributing to total ROAS. Yeah. Hence, yeah, and hence <laughs> I would say it's like, like a marketer needs to always be the one kind of like using their own experience, own mm. knowledge, or the strategy of the company. And it's like, you know, um, I interviewed Rodestina. She works at the Voodoo Games recently. Mm -hmm. And she also mentioned this whole gut thing. And I think yeah. with, nine, with nine years, you know, we call it gut, but let's face it, it's experience. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah, I would say if, you, if, you, if this is your first week on the job and you make decisions based on your gut, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but you know like uh when i was uh first week uh, on my job and it's like definitely i try to uh, talk to my colleagues if uh what i want to do is the right way to do it and uh the decision if it's good or bad because well of course like i didn't have enough experiences even i had the gut feeling but as you said like <laughs> i could lose a lot of money uh for the company 
Yeah. I, yeah, by the way, my biggest mistake ever was $90,000 over one night. Just thinking something was going to go great and not mm-hmm. putting a cap. Um, I, I never assumed it would spend 90. I assumed maybe it'll spend 9,000. Yeah. That was painful. That was painful. But you know, if you want to spend 90,000, then uh, it's, you will have a hard time. But you know, by this mistake, like, oh, well, yeah. I would say it's gonna go for nine nine k, uh, but then eventually ninety, pretty good, <laughs> pretty yeah. good change and the difference as well. Let's talk about things that happened in the last couple of months. So death of the ID IDFA was pretty much deprecated, made everybody a little bit blind when it comes to iOS measurement. Do you think it was in bless? Like, do you think it was a curse or a blessing? Well, neither. It's just a change in uh, methodology and how the, the people think about the campaigns and evaluation. I mean, for me, I could say it's, it was a blessing because <laughs> definitely uh, I ran some pretty successful campaigns on iOS uh, even now. So uh, that's, uh, that's fine. But still, for others, it's just changing the in the methodology and the, the way of thinking of, uh, of the campaigns. That's it, basically. But, I, wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's a curse. I mean, I, I know a lot of people is like, oh, well, this is uh, apocalypse. Come on, we are all going to die. Well, no, <laughs> you just need to change your focus a little bit. But, but look, there's a lot of products where they complete 100% relied on the Facebook graph and uh, let's say yeah. subscription product. You just threw it on Facebook AAA and it worked. And now you need to start disassembling to what makes certain campaigns work. And again, like you coming definitely from a very heavy creative side, I would say, you know, it it allows like creative gets the spotlight again. Yeah. Yeah, And it's true. Like uh, a couple of months ago, you just uh, started one AAA campaign and the world was amazing, beautiful, unicorns and rainbows and everything is like perfect. Now, even on Android, I mean, you cre- you can create whatever campaigns you want on Facebook. It just starts to get really shitty very quickly. <laughs> so it's, the, yeah, the ADD and all the IDFA stuff definitely didn't, didn't help Facebook. Definitely helped other uh, UA channels. <laughs> yeah. By the way, as we're as we're recording this now in February seventh, like a couple of days ago, we've all seen how bad yeah, it how was face- for Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Holy crap! Holy crap! Um, maybe a, a, another question, kind of like related to the whole technical side of our industry. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's attribution providers and there's measurement. And how would you differentiate attribution? attribution from measurement well honestly it's uh do you need to differentiate that much i mean with attribution helps you kind of measure what are uh, what is uh, what are your numbers on different ua channels i mean it's uh that's how would i would uh, i would see it basically wouldn't wouldn't dif- differentiate that much is attribution measurement take a, you know, of course you can, you know, you can be spending a campaign on, let's say Facebook and your attribution provider shows you this amount of clicks led to this amount of installs, but what yeah, you need if- to do something with the data. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, you need to then measure like uh, what, what's happening on that side. So it's not measurement, but you know, it's uh, it goes hand in hand. 
it's confusing you know it's like i was talking about this with a couple of interviewees like i spoke about it with adam and i spoke about it with team team is vp data at free now that's like car sharing a company fairly yeah. large and it was really hard for us to differentiate the semantics because on, on the one hand you know what what distribution does it's fact clicks yeah. installs one-to-one -one. question is if you like would have got these conversions regardless of the clicks. That's a different question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we couldn't sure. really answer this. Um, let's talk a little bit pandemic. Um, it seems like, you know, gaming benefited a lot from the pandemic. The pandemic brought a lot of audiences that were like non-gamers before. Um, have you witnessed this? And kind of like, what are these new audiences that were never on the game? Well, you can argue if it's uh, really a new audiences or if it, if it was uh, uh, less competition from brands and, and e-commerce because of the, of the pandemic. But if uh, we are talking about new audiences, then, well, you know, a lot of uh, people at home just, uh, you know, um, try to read or try to do whatever, watch TV, but then, you know, you can't do it all all day long you just need to find some some other form of um, amusement games uh, one of it one of those so uh it can be very broad from um young people to to very old one uh, you know male 50 50 plus because why not i mean uh, I, I remember having this um this dentist uh, at pixel federation for train station was like i think 55 years old and he, he said, like, he, instead of reading books, he just plays train station and he spent like 50K in that game. <laughs> Oof. So, uh, so yeah, you know, it can be like very broad, um, uh, very broad audience. And do you think that the, like these new audiences influence the gameplay or even new games? It's like, uh, what do you mean? Like, how, how, how should I think about it? Um, well, new audience is obviously like if it's not if uh, you are not a gamer and you are new to games, then um, most probably your KPIs will be different than a hardcore gamer like Matei, for example. Yeah. <laughs> so of course that's gonna be that's gonna be different, and then your uh, whole onboarding flow and the FTUE can be different. But I wouldn't say it's like so different depends on the game i mean if you have a mid-core game most probably these new audiences won't play the game because it's uh well most probably not the cup of their tea but i would say those gamers new audiences maybe started hyper casual and then moved to other games when uh when it was appropriate yeah by the way it's amazing to see how much like crazy amounts of mna in the last few months in the oh, gaming yeah. space yeah like the zynga one and there was the microsoft one and who else quite a lot of well, now, it's now it's bungee uh, sony and bungee so so after the zynga i said there won't be any bigger mna this year okay so after three days there was the microsoft mna like oh seriously okay so yeah. i'm not gonna say anything like this anymore <laughs> Yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a way more steel. It's amazing that, and and we're gonna get to this as well. But like, gaming seems to be going through its like golden period again. Not that it ever ended. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I have a question about incrementality. Obviously, you know, I'm incremental. I'm going to ask you about incrementality. How do you define incrementality in marketing? And do you think it is the holy grail when it comes to marketing results? Well, holy grail, hard to say, but it's definitely helpful, at least uh, in terms of the, the IDFA and the iOS um, activities on the UA front. Because you know we don't know what's uh, what's happening after day one or well, let's say day three, day seven, well, day three maybe. Uh, so I'm I define the, the incrementality as uh, you know you have I, we have some kind of baseline we're spending some money and then opening up a new a new channel and how that channel influences the other channels and uh, the difference that can be the incrementality of the either revenues, conversions, installs, or if we see any, any uplift on the organic side uh, of installs, that's, uh, that would, I would that, uh, attribute to the incrementality um, activities or and then incrementality. The, is the baseline the spend before or is the baseline like the, let's say, organics without any spend? Well, that's up to us how, how we define it. I mean, if we say it's a, it's a all spent um, before we do this, then um, let's take that as a as a baseline. But if we say the baseline is organics in US um, up until now, and then from today onwards we we measure the incrementality, then uh, that's gonna be the baseline. I saw a post on Twitter this weekend, by the way. It was posted by Ari Paparo, Ari Paparo, and then then it was reposted by Eric as well, and basically it showed like. Um, distribution of costs for a gaming company in mm. various stages of their life. It was like seed, mm. round A, round B, round C. Yep. And what it had across the board was like 80% goes to UA. Um, then the point is like, shouldn't every dollar a company spend be in a way incremental? Because like, it doesn't really make sense to be spending to getting users that you're already getting. Uh, well, I mean, hypothetically, yeah, why not? <laughs> it's like every time uh, and in every stage, you need to you need to spend some money to get uh, get some players in. Uh, all, although you don't have uh, necessarily in the early stages any monetization, so basically, yes, you can see that as a or you can um, measure the incrementality on the install level. But then afterwards, well, revenue is all that matters. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like we're we're both kind of like in the same industry, and our industry loves making up bullshit keywords and terms and buzzwords and so on. Like, we made a list of a couple of things that like are spoken about in the industry right now, and I wanted to hear like if you think something is an actual trend people should be thinking about, or industry mumbo jumbo. Um, let's start with the first one: Google ID deprecation. Well, I don't think it's mambo jumbo or a trend. I mean, uh, we see the LAT version um, is the Google ID deprecation, which is now happening. But I don't, see, I don't see any any other activities in this uh, in this field for now. So it might be that Google eventually, I'm not sure if this year, but maybe next year, we move into the the same uh, playing field as uh, iOS is at the moment. Okay. But it's definitely not mambo jumbo. Cross-platform advertising. That's definitely Mambo Jumbo. <laughs> Influencer marketing. Well, I would say a middle ground. Uh, I don't 
do a lot of influencer marketing, uh, but also um, for some games, it makes a lot of sense uh, because uh, obviously if you have a game, it's really watchable and it's action packed and uh, you know, you can see it on, on YouTube and you actually uh, uh, love watching that gameplay with some other uh, YouTubers or influencers, it's perfect. But if you have a very uh, like casual puzzle game, I'm not sure if that's something that the influencer marketing can push. I mean, you yeah. can try, but yeah, it actually don't. I wouldn't see influencer marketing working well for hyper casual, for example. Yeah, most probably not. That's for yeah. sure. I mean, the, for hyper casual, you want to just have very low, very very low CPIs. With me, influencer marketing, I mean, it's even hard to track it for uh, for other games for hyper casuals with all the charts and everything. I mean, that's just impossible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay let's go for a triggering term nft it's not triggering for me i mean uh i don't all own any nft yet definitely is an interesting um hype and uh around these blockchain games and nfts i mean uh also what ubisoft did didn't make any any sense with uh, their kind of like version of NFTs. I can see NFTs uh, in games in, in some form. Um, I don't see it as a like main driver of any any revenues or anything, but um, I, enjoy the, I enjoy the trend at the moment, pretty much. It's very much related to the next uh, term, the metaverse. <laughs> it is definitely related, but... Uh, well, metaverse uh, is slightly triggering for me. It can be perceived very differently from very different perspectives. Uh, I see that as a, like a thing which is going to happen in maybe 10 years, 15 years from now on. Even like uh, Facebook is spending billions into this uh, and making a huge loss on it but they just want to make it work, but it's still very far from, from happening. And I know like Roblox is somewhere in the middle, Fortnite is maybe there with all the, all the concerts and, um, and, uh, and rappers having their uh, shows. It's nice. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm too old for, uh, for understanding. <laughs> have you seen, by the way, a few, a few people, when I asked this question, a few people mentioned this movie, uh, Ready Player One. Have you seen it? I, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. This I would do, okay, other than the fact that, like, the real life looks completely hideous in that movie, but the metaverse concept there is pretty fucking cool. It is. I mean, the concept is really cool, but I don't, I don't see why people would just uh, go to metaverse to have, a, you know, an office uh, meeting just in a v with a v VR headset and just sitting there like, what's the point? I mean, come on, just go there in real life, meet people <laughs> face to face. I mean, now maybe now in this uh, like uh, pandemic situation that would be definitely helpful, but in a normal uh, <laughs> normal state of the world, then um, we'll see. By the way, we are now on the metaverse, the Zoom metaverse. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But we should have a VR, we should have a VR set, and yeah. then that would be definitely a, a metaverse. Now, yeah, that I'm, would be pretty cool. Well, maybe yeah, maybe recording podcasts with uh, with the VR headset and then sitting somewhere in the in the park or uh, in the in the studio, yeah, that would be cool. But also like uh, recording this face to face, that's way cooler. 
It's yeah. way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's face it. But the, again, maybe we are too old for it. But uh, um, another like one question when it comes to like trends and in industry mumbo jumbo potential media mix modeling. Yeah, everybody's uh, speaking about it for what, like half a year, maybe a year already. Nobody was able to, to make it work properly. <laughs> so in, uh, I would say it's, it's uh, mumbo jumbo, more like a trend because everybody wants to do it. Nobody is able to do it. And, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo, there you go. <laughs> What's a random fact about you that people don't know? I have a eight bit um, Powerpuff Girls tattoo on my chest. A what? Powerpuff Girls tattoo on my chest, eight bit. So uh, I can show you if you want. <laughs> but that's a, that's a random fact. I don't think um, no one knows. Well, How no, many tattoos do you do you have? By the way, you have quite a lot of tattoos. I, yeah, I stopped counting after ten. I would say it's definitely sleeves and then the whole front chest and the and the belly as well. That's the that's the gaming eight bit section. So, okay, uh, cool. I have uh, you know Ash with the with the Pikachu there, and uh, and other things, uh, Pac Man. <laughs> I, I love the fact that our industry can be fairly casual and non-judgmental and we can do whatever we want. It's like, uh, you know, it's like when, both when I was in Uplift, actually, I had this like crazy story. When I was in Uplift, I once <laughs> uh, met a guy for an interview in a coffee shop because he worked for a competitor. Mm-hmm. He, doesn't, he didn't want to be seen. Yeah. And the guy shows up in a full on suit. This is August. Nice. And yeah. we met in a coffee shop. So I'm waiting for him, of course, in shorts, flip flops. Having a gigantic strawberry milkshake, and the guy shows up, and he says, uh, "Oh, you're you're the guy I'm meeting with." And then he's like, "Oh, I thought I'm meeting the CEO." And it's like, "Well, I am." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I yeah, I have no idea why I would wear a suit. Uh, I mean, in the gaming industry, I mean, I love wearing suits. I have a couple of them, and uh, I really enjoy it. But for like any gaming industry event or occasion, it's like doesn't make any sense. No, <laughs> doesn't no, make any sense. Wear whatever. <laughs> I had I had last year red hair, blonde hair. Yeah, I'm nice. good with that. Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. If people if people want to find you uh, digitally or physically, depending on you. Well, physically, probably in Slovakia, Bratislava, but I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. But um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, or on my website, which is, uh, well, it's a lancharish.me, but it's L-A-N-C-A-R-I-C.me. Uh, so it's my website. I'm going to put a link on the description of this podcast. Nice. Amazing. So thank you so much for your time. It's always thanks, a pleasure Mara. seeing you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. It, it will get better with the daughter. It does get better. Oh. They, they oh, do hopefully. end up sleeping a full night. And, and by the way, it ends up being better for a couple of years and then they become teenagers. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know. It's uh, most probably when she's 15, I need to buy a gun and uh, just keep, <laughs> keep her safe. <laughs> yeah.